but because being a man is stupid and boring. Maleness is a deficiency disease and males are emotional cripples. Sorry. Bad girls, bad women, <laughs> or the ones who like to be naughty, might go out and play. There will be enough female justices on the Supreme Court. When there are nine, of course. Another woman is possible. Another woman has always already began. Hi. Hey, Kay. How's it going? Good. I got a cat here. Yeah, um, you see the cat. cat keeps trampling all over your keyboard, it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Doing She's good. also probably going to try to bite me pretty soon. But anyway. Oh, good. Um, is this your new cat? I mean, she's not really mine, but yes. Oh, right, right. She's my roommate, but yeah. She's, cool. she's newish. We got, she's a quarantine kitty. We got her during the quarantine. I see. Okay, yeah, because I thought there was an orange one earlier. There was an orange one. Okay. But that was my, also my roommate's cat, and my roommate moved out. So. I see. Okay. Learning all about the cats. Right. Um, today is, well, yesterday really was more of an important day, but today is November 8th, the day that we're recording this. And yesterday. Uh, the day that we're living in for me. Right, uh, the United States elected Joseph R. Biden um, to become the United States president. Kamala. I don't know. Um, yes, but she's more important, I feel, than Joe Biden. True. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of worrying he might not make it through. <laughs> he is the oldest president ever elected. Um, he is the only president ever elected that didn't go to an Ivy League school. Really? Which I feel like they should fucking emphasize more. Yeah, also that. Yeah, he's also one of only, I guess, two Catholic presidents. Oh, him and uh, Lil Baby Kennedy. <laughs> Lil Baby Kennedy, yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should have called him Hottie, because that just pretty much picks him out from the crowd. You. Yeah. This is the only hot president ever. Okay, Obama's also hot, but... I think Obama is hotter than Kennedy, but that's just... I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't honestly, like hot presidents. I'm just saying, but Kennedy was is known to be, like... Right? Wasn't he kind of known as being, like... Yeah. I feel like Obama was more known as being, like, intelligent and... Yeah. Inspiring and, like... I mean, he is also hot, but... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what else... I guess Kennedy, he was also just, like, popular, right? He was just really likable. I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess Americans are frivolous in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, like when we talked about Warren G. Yeah, damn. Hurting. Maybe he's the hottest president. All these waspy has presidents we're talking about. Yeah, but when I look at pictures of him, it's like, uh, I don't even know what hot meant to them back then. Yeah, he looks like he's cut, like, pretty hardcore alcoholism i feel like but oh yeah i mean so who didn't back then i mean who doesn't now but yeah <laughs> the indulgence of the what is it called 
fin de siècle or whatever. I was reading a book about like e- Umberto Eco's or fascism, and there's all this French in it that the Italians learned, like that was like being hidden basically by the fascist government, and like that was one of them. It was just like the decadence of like the end of the 20th century and people getting drunk and things. Anyway, total tangent, but um today what are we going to talk about today andrea long chu yes andrea on liking women mm-hmm. so um, andrea wrote an essay. Sorry, oh, sorry just gonna like give a little bit of uh publication details so ow you motherfucker sorry just got bitten by my fucking cat Aww. um yeah hold on i want to get her like away from here okay go away stop (laughs) okay so it's pub uh it was published in uh, in 1999 no in 2018 um yeah it was very recent because also then females came out last year and um obviously drawn on a lot of the same material but she is a PhD student at NYU, and I believe she is in, um, do, 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 yeah, comparative literature. So, interesting, because then obviously she, like, publishes this book, which I don't know what you would call it, but maybe some kind of cultural commentary. I don't know what you would even call this article either, but it is very literary. Um, do you agree? Yeah, she's such a good writer. Like we were just talking about how and like engrossing every one of her sentences is like it's just it's so fun to read and it's like feels so natural. Like everything she writes is just like it just feels very true. And while I think a lot of her writing is really sad and I think she's like a pretty sad person, I like really feel for her because of her writing and like she just captures so much so like perfectly i guess right well the thing is the thing that's interesting about her is she has been published so first of all she's been published in like the journal of speculative philosophy where she wrote about hegel like she com- she wrote commentary on hegel hegel's writings on africa so interesting. really interesting there so she's mm-hmm. also being published and she also was published in journal of feminist cultural studies so she's being published in like philosophy and cultural studies. Obviously, she just got a book published, which let me look if it says if it has any kind of um yeah, it's called it's under feminism and politics. So she's got her hands in everything. Um and yeah, she's definitely very prominent for like she's just a PhD student. Um, but she's come to speak at the new school multiple times, and one of our professors wrote a response to this article and then Andrea wrote a response back and then they had like an in-person conversation about it at the new school. So she's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me how uh, kind of famous she is already, but, mm-hmm. and how much she's just very um, open about her own life in this. So Sandy Stone, who's like, you know, kind of like, I don't want to say the mother of transgender studies, but definitely like part of the older generation. She's a professor too. And she like called on liking woman, like 
the start of the second wave of trans studies. So I don't know. That's interesting too. Um, and I think it, a lot of things have already been written in response to this. So yeah, that's just saying she's important basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't know all that. So I didn't actually know that she was so recently important. I thought, I felt like I saw her name before, but I probably didn't. I probably just imagined it. <laughs> so it sounds like the last two years have really just been big for her. Yeah, yeah, definitely the last two years. I mean, she's a PhD student, so I assume, I mean, she's probably written papers and gone to conferences and stuff before, but then in terms of really getting published, that happens in, like, the last few years, so. Mm -hmm. I think she's graduating this year, so she'll be, hopefully, you know, definitely will get some kind of professorship. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, hopefully. I mean, if she can't, like, what the fuck? (laughs) yeah true she's literally two years older than me that's it oh wow she's literally like great like great and you have a published book so (laughs) well I don't know I mean no no need to compare oneself Mm. could never compare to her but um (laughs) yeah I do get the feeling from this work too I mean I don't know if you got this feeling that she's just very much an artistic soul like she's Um, I think she talks about in this article, she had a piano that she would like carve names into the each key. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Did she do that in this article? I thought she did. Maybe that's in females. females. (laughs) But, um, yeah. Anyway, to me, I get that feeling that she's like, uh, very artistic. But she also, we were going to talk about Valerie Solanas because, uh, Valerie's work, both Up Your Ass, which is the play she wrote, and The Scum Manifesto figure prominently in Andrea's work. And definitely in the article we read, she's she's directly discussing Scum Manifesto, her reading of it, and then her teaching it to um, undergraduate class. I was very excited when I was reading Females and this article, actually, um, just that Andrea's here, like in New York, right, at NYU, mm-hmm. right down the street. And um, Valerie was handing out the Scum Manifesto in, you know, Union Square. Um, that's where An- Andy Warhol's factory was right by Union Square, which is where uh, the New School for Social Research is. It's, it's right next to Union Square. So it was just very like, you know, this is all happening right here. This is still, this is still happening. I mean, 50 years ago, Valerie was handing this out in Union Square. And now um, Andrea is, you know, writing this book in response to it. Uh, also right here probably sitting in Union Square she talks about it too that like you know Valerie was like turning tricks on the street um you know that she walks Mm -hmm. down so anyway yeah Valerie was a prostitute she was also you know a very ambitious artist she was a writer she tried to get her play put up by Andy Warhol so the the up your ass play Mm -hmm. and this is why she eventually wouldn't do it steals the play it is still technically in like Andy, like it's stamped with like Andy Warhol Foundation, whatever, on like every page. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think he, he owns it, even though she wrote it. And he was supposed to put it up, but he didn't. And then basically she shot him. <laughs> and um, she left a tampon at the scene of the crime. <laughs> um, just, yeah. And I mean, it was like, she's a lesbian. 
you know, Andy obviously is gay and she's like, there should be some kind of alliance here, but it's, you're still using women, um, to produce this art, like on a factory line, paying them like nothing and making all the money from it. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So there were issues there with like misogyny and she always felt frustrated by the fact that, you know, just because she was a woman, she wasn't going to be taken as seriously. She also just definitely as a prostitute had kind of like the worst experiences with men I mean or like her experiences with men were mostly seeing them in you know kind of the grossest state um right because yeah and she also only liked women so she wasn't like having intimate relationships with men that were like positive and caring loving really um so I think that explains a bit of why she really fucking hates him. But yeah, so Scum Manifesto, Society for Cutting Up Men, she's basically arguing, <laughs> well, let's read the first line, which um, Andrea quotes. Oh, I found it. Yeah. Life in this society at best, an utter bore and no aspect of society being at all relevant to women. There remains two civic-minded, responsible, thrill-seeking females only to overthrow the government and eliminate the money system, institute complete automation, and destroy the male sex. How fucking yeah! I don't really understand. I still don't really understand the part about the money system. Like, I don't know a ton about, like, monetary theory, but what I do know is just that, like, I'm not sure if it has much to do with capitalism since capitalism is so much younger than money itself, but... I don't know. I don't know what it has to do with yeah, it, but I feel like I agree with the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I think it's also partially rhetorically just for emphasis that, like, it's, like, you just, like, life's boring, and, uh, yeah, there's really only one option, which is, like, literally destroy everything. <laughs> um, you know? So True. I think it's more for, like, emphasis. Yeah. Um, so Valerie, as you said, like her background is really, uh, kind of just like counter countercultural. She was in a lot of ways, she seemed like a lonely person. She's very independent. Um, just like, just, uh, an iconoclast, I guess you could say, uh, very confident. Um, I wish that I had her confidence, honestly, she's pretty amazing in terms of like, just what she's willing to say. And you already you already mentioned that she she like shot Andrew Andy Warhol, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah. die when she shoots him, but yeah. Right. And she's right. eventually I mean, I think they try to basically paint her as schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Because Yeah, she has I mean she obviously has very extreme i don't know maybe because some people read this as just so satirical that it's like it is for it is to to show like this is how bad it is for women i guess you know it's like Mm -hmm. for rhetorical effect yeah i think of a lot of it is like really theatrical like it's it's more to like illustrate a point and start a dialogue than than it is like you know academic analysis which i think we need to we need both Right. So something she says here too. So it's interesting because it kind of parallels Shulamith in the sense of she's talking about how what what we can do technologically makes it so basically we don't need men anymore. Mm-hmm. 
But she also um, refers to the Y chromosome as a biological accident, um, as an incomplete X gene. <laughs> Um, and she says, in other words, the male is an incomplete female, a walking abortion, aborted at the gene stage. To be male is to be deficient, emotionally limited. Maleness mm -hmm. is a deficiency disease, and males are emotional cripples. Sorry, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I think she, it's weird because she does position it as so biological, and I think part of that is she's, is rhetorically like, that is the way women have been um, justified as being deficient, is that it's just you know, it's just biological, it just is the way it is, rather than conditioning. So I think she's, that's why she's saying that, even though the fact that she thinks men could become women, to me means she doesn't really think it's that rigid, like, right, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, she clearly doesn't. Um, so you were saying it's kind of like trans, like the whole, the scum manifesto in some ways is trans, or at least is, sounds like it would be inclusive to trans and that's kind of andrea's point is where's this quote <laughs> i want to bring up this quote that andrea has which is that um she of course andrea of course is trans and she she's undergone surgery i'm not sure which surgery but i, I don't want to like overly speculate um yeah but she does mention very directly i'm trying to find the quote that she has about, a Right, yeah, she says transsexual women want bottom surgery because most women have vaginas. Call that transphobic if you like. That's not going to keep me from Chili's awesome blossoming my dick. So she's <laughs> literally cutting up what I guess society sees as men. Um, she's Chili's awesome blossoming her penis. <laughs> right, she also says like, okay, women don't have penis envy, men have pussy envy. Um, that's mm -hmm. Valerie says that. So that, to me, again, it's really fucking trans. But again, it's trans one way. Right. Not. And she, I think Valerie doesn't want to think of, even though Valerie herself may be very masculine. And in fact, in this, the reason I'm also saying it's trans is because she's totally breaking down what does female mean, what does male mean. She introduces these terms, female, 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 male, a male, female, and a male, male. And it's like, mm -hmm. what the fuck, Valerie? <laughs> what does yeah, this what? fucking mean? Um, so it's like a whole new ontological system, but it is also acknowledging there's like the outward and the inward or like there's two, like there's more going on here than just one gender. Like mm -hmm. if you just have one gender and that's it. You know what I mean? She's acknowledging that like, and that things can be changed. She says like, um, when the male accepts his passivity, defines himself as a woman and be, okay. And then in parentheses, males as well as females think men are women and women are men again so she says this whole thing too where like the fool women into thinking women were men even though or that women were were women yeah because she says men are women it's like a whole thing that doesn't make any sense but um yeah to me that just opens up this idea that like there's not just this biological thing that you are there's movement and she's like calling for movement mm -hmm. Yeah, she definitely is. Uh, and I feel like Andrea is enamored with Valerie's philosophy and probably maybe even Valerie herself because she's like actually acting on Valerie's philosophy. Um, she says that, you know, while all these lesbian feminists or, you know, she, she kind of goes through this history of lesbian feminism, which we can get more into. Um, 
where there was an era in the 60s and 70s and probably the 80s as well where there was a there was a strain of feminism during the time where women were interested in um mandating lesbianism or at least asexuality as as like a sexual practice um because we shouldn't be having sex with men basically Um, right because heterosexual relationships just reproduce oppressive gender dynamics in in the the lesbian separatist mind and they're saying also it's a political act because it's like why the fuck would we want to please men no let's focus all our energy on women so it's like choosing because in the end like emotional energy is going to be spent and a lot of it's going to be spent in the family Mm -hmm. so if that's what you're you know if that's who you're building a family with it just isn't so it so happens that women end up supporting men and making it possible for men to thrive but what if we turned all that energy only only towards women and men just have to fucking do it themselves right but andrea says that she's actually doing valerie's mission much better than these people because she's literally taking men out of the world she like is a trans woman so she she took her male self out of the world is kind of what she's she's saying so um i don't know i just think this is very interesting because i mean also if if we have time at the end we can talk about like responses to this interpretation because it's very like there's a lot of other trans people that responded to um uh, not only this but all other andrea articles you should read um Mackenzie Warp also my professor okay who responded to her and they had the conversation at the new school because Mackenzie's also trans Mm -hmm. and definitely has a very different like interpretation um but I think she also Mackenzie interprets Andrea as kind of being like Valerie sometimes she's just saying shit Mm -hmm. maybe yeah like just to say it you know just to see what it does in the world Mm -hmm. right but yeah yeah well let me look at the document again and see what else there is because um i'm actually not sure well we should talk about all these different people she mentions in the article right yeah yeah she talks about a lot of history there's a lot of history here i mean she does bring up janice raymond's um the transsexual empire which is this you know transphobic screed (laughs) about how women are or uh trans women are coming into female spaces and like infiltrating like so basically men are coming into female only spaces and which is also the way i think sheila jeffries interprets um trans women Mm -hmm. and we were like and like trans men too i guess is she the one that wrote the female eunuch or was that uh it's jermaine greer jermaine greer wrote the female eunuch yeah She's bad. She's a really mean turf. <laughs> she's bad. She's just mean. Like, there's a... It's just... I don't even... I don't even know if I want to read it. It's just so... Is that the part where she see Someone comes up to her, like a trans woman comes up to her to be like... Like, thanks for all you trans girls. Boy. Yeah. And she... Yeah. Just the way that she describes this person is, like, so hideous. And... It's disgusting. Yeah. It's like... Andrew describes it as um, she describes this interaction that Greer writes about 
She says, a uh, little analysis is needed to show that disgust, like Greer's, belongs to the same traffic and woman-hating she and her fellow turfs supposedly abhor. Let us pause instead to appreciate how rarely one finds transmisogyny whose preferred medium is in the spittle of strangers, enjoying the cushy, stylistic privileges of middle-brow literary form. It's like watching Julia Child cook a baby. <laughs> it's like watching Julia Child cook a baby. Yeah, dude, she's just so, she's so funny and witty and just good at writing. It's really makes me jealous. Yeah, I think she's got some perspective on it because, like, as a trans woman, she's probably, like, faced this actual, like, hatred. And so, like, to read how much Jermaine Greer hates this trans woman coming up to her and saying thank you and, like, hi and, like, I love your work and Jermaine Greer being, like, ew, like, get away from me you disgusting man like yeah. it's just probably for andrea's like haha yeah i know i know like that is that yeah. is how i feel sometimes you know like she's very yeah. self-aware yeah, the thing that it's that's interesting to you about turfs is they're they also don't like trans men like they don't like women who like they think women who and she talks about this too women who want to quote unquote be men want to be in whatever however you want to phrase it um are like just succumbing to patriarchal standards and like they've just been brainwashed even better and they hate women because you know that's what they've been taught kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then they also think the same thing about trans women they're like oh you're just you just are um conforming to patriarchal standards when you want to put on a dress and put on makeup like they don't see it as authentic um and i don't actually know i feel like a lot of like feminist lesbian like or radical feminists are kind of against femininity sometimes it's very confusing because it's sometimes like are we trying to be masculine or are we trying to embrace femininity and be like it's a good thing but then when we see um see quote-unquote a man performing it we're like we don't like it yeah. um so it's confusing because yeah i just don't know why people are so rigidly like we have to we have to be in our role and um there's just a role that we're just assigned to just when we're born because someone looks between our legs and that's just it right no it's like they don't yeah they don't even look farther to question whether this structure is even worthwhile anymore but i think the the reason one of the reasons why feminists throughout the 60s and 70s and for whatever reason still through today struggle with um trans people is because I guess there's two different ways you can take feminism. One being that we need to get rid of gender discrimination and simply that the roles are unjust and possibly meaningless. Or the other side is that we are in our own camps and we're in a war and a trans, a trans person is essentially a traitor to whatever gender, so they're not to be trusted. Yeah, no, and I think that's that's another interesting aspect, which I've been reading about, too, is just this idea of, like, being trans as, like, disguise slash um, as, like, um, yeah, trespassing, but also as deception. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, you're kind of in this double bind where it's, like, if you pass as trans, then you could potentially be the deceiver. But if you don't pass as trans, then you never get to, like, be acknowledged as your gender. Mm-hmm. And there's still, there's still a threat of violence. Both are threats of violence, but 
often passing can be even more deadly because if you pass and you go home with someone like you're in a private space and that's often what when violence occurs that's a really good point and that's why we say that trans people are more are braver than the troops (laughs) yes i mean it's true like if you think about it it's like it whether you pass or not you are still subject to violence like there's no choice but violence and well there's also just the violence against yourself and it's really sad like So more than one in four, about 27%, trans young people have attempted to commit suicide, and nine in 10, 89%, have thought about it. 72% have self-harmed at least once. More than a third of trans youth have experienced physical assault. Three in five, 60%, have experienced threats and intimidation. And more than four in five, 83%, trans young people have experienced name-calling or verbal abuse. And a lot of that has to do with not being accepted by their family. Because if you're accepted by your family, it's, like, mitigated. Like, the the threat of that is mitigated, like, almost entirely. But then, again, who has, who's most likely to have supportive families? And that has to do with class a lot of the time, too. But, yeah, I think it's also a lot of trans people do engage in sex work. Like, Therefore, and this, like, with Gwen Araujo, like, she, 14, 15, and she was, like, engaging in sex with, like, Mm -hmm. adult men. And it was very, like, it was, like, secret kind of thing. And then, basically, the adult men, they were doing it. They obviously knew that she was trans because, like, it's very hard to have sex with someone and not see a penis. But um, they only killed her after their friends found out mm. that she was trans basically but so things like that may happen where you have especially like young people like interacting with adults because they can't be freely open and like date in because it does take so long for like even just straight men to be like okay yeah I can be attracted to a trans woman and it's fine I mean a lot of straight men that I know that I think of as like so good are still not yeah. there and it sucks you know yeah that's that's always been something I've thought of as like like why why I, I think I was reading a little bit about this like in terms of women having some sort of advantage in terms of like fluidity in their sexuality and I'm not sure how well studied this is but there if you look at surveys of like what is your opinion on dating a trans person like across the board women are always more open to dating people of different gender. Women are better. <laughs> they are literally, their sexuality is more fluid. They, they always can, they would, they consider bisexuality as a practice in higher numbers. They consider um, engaging sexually with people of other genders, transgender people, non-binaries in higher numbers. Um, people who identify as men simply do this less and like, this is mostly, obviously the data is mostly biased towards cis men just because of the sheer number. But, um, like, there's just a much higher proportion of cis men than there are trans men. Um, but I need to I need to actually find a citation for that, and we can put it in the notes if we want. But Yeah, a few more things I want to say, yeah, about this is, one, I think the difference between, so I think with sexual orientation, it's always difficult. What are people willing to engage in, and what are people willing to fucking jack off to 
Because let me tell you, that there are states in which, like Georgia, Alabama, where one of the top 10 porn hits is quote unquote she male or something like that. And they also have very strict trans mm. laws, right? Or like you can't walk while, you know, walking while trans is illegal or whatever, you know? So there's this, this thing where you won't respect us in the daylight, but you'll fucking yeah. fap to us at night. Um, and I do think there are more men that do that than would be willing to actively do it in real life. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think that's, that's a complication where I think that it could be equal numbers of men and women, but women are more likely to engage in it because also female communities are more accepting and they're not as afraid of like a backlash from their immediate mm. surroundings. I guess men have men, a higher stake or like generally they feel like the stakes, yeah, there's the more stakes violence. Higher, there's probably more violence. Yeah. yeah. There's more um, uniformity, I guess like men, like masculine culture, I guess does this where they, they like make each other fall in line, I guess. Do you think masculinity in general contains the concept of being attracted to women more so than femininity contains the conception? Yes, of being because attracted masculinity to men? Like, entails agency. I think, whereas femininity does not entail agency. It it entails the uh, yeah object like the yeah. There's no subjectivity with women. There's only. Women are plants. Women are they're, plants. they're not really. They don't have the power to make their own choices. Therefore, it doesn't really matter what they want because there can only be one gender. That yeah, they're supposed to want to be one. So the power of gender. Since women are seen as a universal object mm-hmm. of a desire, it's more understandable that they will be the object of desire of both mm-hmm. women and men than for men to be the object of desire. Of no, men. yeah, no, I think it's true, and I think that just creates like psychologically creates a lot more ambiguity with what women are supposed to want what they can want do they are they supposed to want like obviously women are human beings and they do want things <laughs> but like because society the the mainstream or whatever you want to call it um is structured so that women women's desires either get pushed under the rug or they're always second class to men's desires Um, We just have to prioritize men's desires over women's because that's just how it works. Um, I think it means that in in some ways it might be freeing. And I think that honestly, now that we're talking about it, that could possibly be a reason why Andrea um, sympathizes with women and maybe why, like a reason why some trans women want to like want to be accepted as women and like she's she talks about the essay title is on liking women she thinks women are cool and groovy like is this part of it i mean is this right is this fluidity wow. and like i mean she she says the exact reasons i can read through the reasons why she she loves to be a woman we should read also yeah wait i wanted to read this part where she said where she describes what um valerie yeah here we go here we go um, okay, so she's saying mm-hmm. Valerie sees uh, women and men as like rival aesthetic mm-hmm. schools, right? Which is interesting. Um, so men are timid, guilty, dependent, <laughs> mindless, <laughs> passive, animalistic, yes, insecure, cowardly, mm-hmm. envious, vain, frivolous, and weak. Women 
are strong, dynamic, decisive, assertive, cerebral, independent, self-confident, nasty, violent, selfish, freewheeling, thrill-seeking, and arrogant. Above all, women are cool and crazy. And it's like, hell fucking yeah. And this is where she says, too, like, Valerie has flipped it. Valerie said, men have convinced us that we are dependent and guilty and mindless and passive. But they're the ones that are. They've been projecting it all onto us when we're actually the ones that are strong and, like, self-confident and independent because we're the ones supporting you this whole time emotionally, even though you've painted it uh, the other way. But anyway, so in this case, like, who the fuck wouldn't want to be a woman? Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, Andrea clearly loves being a woman. And I think she also has a lot of physical reasons for it. But I think she also feels very... complicated about those physical things being fulfilled so she does she did transition um uh and she says you know she's not saying i guess she gets the feeling that um the people on the other side like the radical feminists the turfs or whatever who are against trans women um think that trans women are trying to get something like they're trying to get rich quick or they're trying to have access to little girls in the bathroom or something um yeah but oh. I mean, i'm quoting this like this results from a wish among transgender advocates to quell fears that trans people trans women in particular go through transition in order to get stuff money sex legal privileges little girls in public restrooms and andrew says now i'm not saying that i think this woman transitioned to get rich quick what i'm saying is so what if she had i doubt any of us transition simply because we want to quote be women in some abstract academic way, I certainly didn't. I transitioned for gossip and compliments, lipstick and mascara, for crying at the movies, for being someone's girlfriend, for letting her pay the check or carry my bags, for the benevolent chauvinism of bank tellers and cable guys, for the telephonic intimacy of long-distance female friendship, for fixing my makeup in the bathroom, flanked like Christ by a sinner on each side. She's such a good writer. For sex plays, <laughs> for feeling hot. I'm almost done for getting hit on by butches, for that secret knowledge of which dykes to watch out for, for Daisy Dukes, bikini tops, and all the dresses, and, my God, for the breasts. So she has all these reasons for loving women. I guess she she likes women, but, yeah, I think it's like... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that is the tension, right, that she's like, I had, I for so long I could not tell the difference between liking women and wanting to be one. Right. That very first intro about like, she's the only guy on the volleyball um, volleyball team. Yeah. On the volleyball team. And she, she loves being around them so much, but she couldn't distinguish between being around them and. Like wanting to fuck them and wanting to be them. Yeah. I think it's, and I think that's this interesting thing with sexuality and gender too, because it is like the way I've heard it conceptualized. And it is interesting is like, sexuality is who you want to go to bed with and gender is Mm. who you want to go to bed as and Mm. um I think yeah there is this way that like when she's saying here she's like I don't want to just have women I want to be a lesbian like I want to be a woman wanting a woman I want to be in a woman identified woman relationship like um I want a woman to want me as a woman not want me as a man Mm -hmm. if that makes sense um, yeah, she clearly just has never really valued her. She says, you know, I'm going to cut off my dick, whatever. I'm going to, um, uh, what is, what else did she say? Oh yeah. My, my, my Y chromosome isn't worth $15 to Blockbuster. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, another thing. So, okay. Just back to like, we're talking about transition and Valerie and how Valerie, like she talks about Valerie as like kind of a turning her lesbian, but also giving her this insight into like, whoa. So she said the first time she read it as a woman, she realized that Valerie writes, um, if men were wise, they would seek to become really female, would do intensive biological research that would lead to men by means of operations on the brain and nervous system, being able to be transformed in psyche as well as body into women. And so she's like, this is exactly this image of like male to female gender transition um, could express not just disidentification with maleness, but disaffiliation with men. Here, transition-like revolution was recast in aesthetic terms, as if transsexual women decided to transition not to confirm some kind of innate gender identity, but because being a man is stupid and boring. (laughs) Yeah, it's various. I think it's, it's like, she's, they're both, Valerie and Andrea, trying to argue that desiring for for aesthetic reasons is valid and like even if somebody wants to transition for you know maybe what some may consider aesthetic reasons to be frivolous it's like but like what why not though like what what is the reason why you're keeping somebody from transitioning for aesthetic reasons like are are aesthetic reasons not like the core of desire like um you can't legislate desire is what she she gets into she says if if, once we start to get into what we're allowed to want deep down we stray into moralism when we're doing the exact same thing that men have done to women for thousands of years putting boundaries on what they're allowed to want what they're allowed to be interested in what they're allowed to think what what agency they have like it's the same problem that these turfs are creating when they say you're not allowed to want to be a woman you're not allowed to want to be a man yeah i think that this whole aspect of desire is really interesting and i don't fully understand desire still because i'm not sure if it arises from within or um if it like almost suffocates you from without and like forces you in a certain direction. Like, right. Um, because I do all often feel like my thoughts and my feelings are, they're being produced by me, but they're also being produced in some kind of scaffolding that was like given to me externally, if that makes sense. Like, and I felt for a long time, like I had desires, but I didn't identify them as lesbian desires because I just recap. I just, I had no, box to file that in I didn't believe in it I guess for a long time so it was like oh I have this desire arising but I'm not identifying it as that um so I'm kind of interested in how she got to the point because she says she eventually realized like that um like it was it's not like a moment of realization but it's over years of time where she realizes she's a woman um and I'm just kind of interested in that and how Valerie assisted and like how works like this can assist because I think yeah they give you new categories to file your experiences under yeah she does talk a little bit about desire at the very end and she kind of it's kind of a it reminds me of um cruel optimism which is a book by Lauren Berlant who's like a critical theory person it's very it's I don't even want to get into it necessarily, but kind of like 
I may be getting this thesis wrong, but my I, the parts that I've read, it seems like desire. The thesis is that desire is cruel optimism, or that like the like desire is like basically never really fulfilled, because once it's fulfilled, then nothing happens, and like that, like the the fact that we believe something's going to happen, like the anticipation itself is is like this romance kind of or like just like this wish like feel like wishing and feeling and anticipating is worth more to humans than actually attaining something so like andrew talks about the romance of disappointment you found an object that will give you what you want one day you tell yourself it'll give you what you want and then one day it doesn't she i think she thinks this about her transition so yeah, she says, what's disappointing is what happens next. Nothing. You continue to follow it around. You stash it in a drawer, water it, tweet at it. It still doesn't give you what you want, but you knew that. Knowing better doesn't usually make it better. After all, if you could only want things you were guaranteed to get, you would never be able to want anything at all. Um, and she doesn't want pity for this. She says, this is just to say, trans women want things too. The deposits of our desire run as deep and fine as any. The richness of our want is staggering. Uh, and the other name for disappointment, after all, is love. Um, what do you think of that? That's like the very last sentence, actually, of the essay. What do you think of that? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's wrong. I do think that... I don't know. There's not... Like, there never is the real thing in terms of, like, a woman or a man. And we're all just imitating, like, what we think mm -hmm. it is. Like, mm -hmm. like I was saying about the scaffolding of our, like, feelings and thoughts. Like, we're, we're trapped, but we also never live up to, like, um, the image, I guess. And so, like, none of us are ever really the real thing. Um, and so I feel like we can never really feel validated in being the real thing because there is no real thing. And this is in many ways, like, this is not just in terms of gender, this is in terms of, like, you know, being the beloved that someone else envisions, and, like, we're never going to be able to be that, what they need, mm -hmm. or what they want, or what the image is, but we all try to, and always fail, and uh, a lot of times it ends, love, like, very often, most of the time, ends in someone's feelings getting hurt. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I think even in terms of like loving yourself, there's just such a disjunction between like what you are and what you want to be and like, can you love what you are? Um, or do you just love what you think you could be? I don't know. Okay. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> but you know what I mean? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think this point, the, the point of like Andrea insisting that desire is is at the core of at least her uh, transness. I, I'm not sure if that, that's not very, not like said very, it's kind of said crudely, but um, I think that a lot of trans people, this is the main point of disagreement is that a lot of people, like I'm looking at all these um, essays, like on Medium, all these blog posts that are like, there's this one titled, My Happy Vulva Comments on Andrew Longtooth's Controversial Essay um 
And then another one from, these are both trans women, I think, uh, at least one of them is, and the other one I'm not sure, but um, yeah, one written by Ari Drennan, Andrea Longchu, Some Concerns, Perils of Naval Gazing in a Community Fighting for Equality. And she says, you know, she transitioned as well, this, this person, Ari, um, and she, you know, her transition did really make her happy. It solved her dysphoria. It helped her um, in being seen as who she wanted to be seen as. Uh, she argues that, you know, what makes a woman is whatever you want it to be rather than to kind of seeing it as, it is like this uh, eternally unattainable desire and kind of like, I don't know, yearning uh, feeling. I think she wants, she thinks it is actually attainable. Uh, Ari thinks that the writer of this response thinks it's, it is attainable. Um, and she doesn't want Andrea to, to generalize her experience because clearly Andrea's experience is that, you know, yes, I got, I transitioned. Yes, I have a vagina now, but I'm still not happy. And, other trans women are very happy that they transition. They finally do feel good in their bodies. And I think that's really complicated, you know? Um, I mean, there's a lot in here. Like, I feel like I can't even really cover it. But, I mean, it's a pretty detailed response um, about Andrea. Like, she, she Andrea tweets, I guess... Uh, First, I don't trust sociologists farther than I can throw them. Plus, I don't expect trans people to tell the truth because the truth is risky, even if the interviewer doesn't control their health care. I mean, this is my whole point. These studies only matter to gatekeepers. And this is in reference to another tweet saying that transitioning, there's an overwhelming amount of literature showing that transition does improve well-being. So Andrew's even coming up against like scientific literature that says that transitioning does improve well-being for the most part. Um, she's saying, well, I don't really trust sociologists. Like these studies are just for gatekeepers, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many facets to this. I mean, transitioning is also a class thing. I feel like, I don't know. I brought up a lot there, but. Uh... <laughs> no, transitioning is definitely a class thing. There's definitely a huge yeah. racial division too, because of class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think another thing is a lot of these lesbian um, feminists are like, well, we are, if we get rid of gender, then we don't need to transition. Mm -hmm. Is an, Yeah, I think that is something, that, an issue that comes up in, like, the trans community or, like, you know, trans asterisk community, right, with non-binary people versus binary trans people. Um, and the vast majority mm -hmm. of uh, trans people are binary. And so you kind of have this this issue where like some people it's like we're, we are binaristic like we the, the binary is actually helpful because if you have the binary the way people file people it's like once you pass a certain threshold you're on the other side whereas if we don't have these categories like you don't get to like be a woman or like be seen as a woman non-binary people are like well you know these categories are, are oppressive like let's get rid of them. Like, let's not classify anyone in these things, which I think there can be an agreement. Like, let's not classify for a while, you know, yeah. let's let kids like 
figure shit well, out. Speaking as a, as a non-binary person, that's your bias. But I mean, also, like, I, I mean, I agree. No, but I think a lot of people do feel like we shouldn't give a sign of sex at birth. That's something that, like intersex uh, organizations also like promote internationally, like, um, which I'm I'm also interested in that because there's just so many different interest groups. So yeah, like there are people that think also we should wait, but not wait too long because we need to like kids, if they're 12, like they might need hormone blockers if they're like ready at that point to like, you know, declare their, their gender. But yeah, most trans people would agree. Like sex is something that inherently like putting it on all documentation is, is oppressive. And then people have to get that's why you, I mean, it's not why, but you have to formally get a sex change in order to get your sex on your birth certificate changed. So it's, whereas gender, and sometimes they will ask for gender and you can put gender and, but being non-binary is another thing that's like legalistically, there's only a few states that even allow it. And it's also a whole process. So in my ideal world, we would all start as like, we would just call, refer to everyone as they until like they determine their pronouns or something but uh, even pronouns like I fucking hate pronouns because I just feel like why do we have to gender someone in every sentence I feel like that's a weakness of our language like because it does force it so you have to be thinking about gender it's just so inherent part of it's such an inherent part of identity you know yeah I mean man that was something I struggle with in Arabic uh every verb has a gender you conjugate for gender. So for saying he ran versus she ran is a different word. Fuck that. Like it's one, it's too much. Like I disagree with that grammar. Yeah, it's, I disagree it's with too, that It's too, I mean, it can, I kind of understand why it works that way because like certain nouns, like every noun is also gendered. It's either masculine or feminine. And so therefore it can help with a language that lacks things like commas a lot of the time or like splits in sentences, arranging things by gender can, can make certain nouns that you're referring to in the sentence line up with the verb that it's applying to or that applies to that noun through gender. So it can kind of like in your brain, it can help match those things in what otherwise would be a, an ambiguous sentence. Still, I don't, yeah, still, I don't think it's, like, the best way to structure language. If I were to create my own language, but I'm not a linguist, so I just dabble in it. <laughs> I just... Either way. <laughs> yeah, either way, it's... It, we could we could be a lot worse off in English, but I we do also have improvements to make, I think. I mean, we, we create our own language. We create our own... Ing- language is human-created. It's naturally... Natural, whatever natural is, but, like, you know, we decide what we say. I've, I've actually started to think, like, should I just start saying Z, Zer? Because, like, personally, I don't love, I know there's a lot of reasons to love they as a pronoun, but I, I just, I don't like that it's first and third person. Um, and I think it can be, can be for people that don't already know the person's gender, which, again, like, makes gender, like, a focus of that person when I, it's like, I would rather just talk about them as a person rather than being like, oh, by the way, I'm using the first person when I say they. I would like, make, yeah. I always make it clear by being like, so for instance, when I talk about Robin Dembroff, if I were, if I were to be like, 
oh, Robin Dembroff is coming to speak and uh, they're going to talk about blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, at New College, we would do that anyway. We were we use they to refer to someone like if there's no reason to identify their their gender. So it's like if I were like talking about you to my friend and I were like, oh, yeah, I was talking to my friend on the phone and they were saying blah, blah, blah. I would just use they. I wouldn't say she. I would say they because it's like there's no I was like I try to use they basically as much as possible when you don't need a gender because like there's no reason for them to think of you as a female when I'm talking about you. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's just, like, it could be that, that, like, you're using they as a shorthand for, for, like, somebody, the singular person is referring to, for, like, there's, like, a second degree to it or something that, that I didn't mention, because I do that, too, or it's, like, like, maybe Savannah is in a group, like, and they are talking about, you know, something Yeah, like yeah, that. I think it can be, like, made pretty clear, though. I don't know, just in my experience, because, like, but I do think... It depends on the interlocutor because like obviously like I said if I'm talking to my parents they're not going to register it like that yeah it's like they're not whoosh. but for instance like when I refer to like like I was talking about Austin at one point and I was like saying oh yeah there's someone in my program who was in the military uh yeah like they were in the marine corps mm-hmm. um and of course I can say they but people are going to assume that that is a he regardless because mm-hmm. it's the marine corps Hmm. like that's just going to be like an implied thing but I said they and I continued to say they to my parents and so it's like you know I'm talking about one person who was in the Marine Corps but I'm referring to them as they which I think is just ignorance but I think there are a lot of people that that think like that and also are like oh you think you're so special you get to have special like pronouns and like everyone has to you know walk on eggshells and like think about you know and be special for you and it's like well it is, first of all, I do think it is special. I think it's good. I think that we should change our language to actually have this idea in it. I know. But also, yeah, I also think it's like, it's not, yeah, it's not special. There are plenty of people that feel this way. Also, you haven't thought too hard about your gender. You don't even know that you do identify as he. You haven't thought about it enough. Like, you just were given it and you never doubted it, you know? And I think that's a whole other thing. People who are just compulsor- compulsory cis compulsory hetero cisness (laughs) yeah I do I do think it is I mean it's special in like a positive way I think it's special in a way that like it should be I mean there's questions about like safety but like I feel like it should be kind of like proclaimed from the mountaintops kind of thing like like a a special word like zers or whatever is is specifically non-gendered it's a new a newer word I mean it's been in usage for decades but it's just not it hasn't really gained traction I mean I'd love Uh, to do it but I also know even with they people can't fucking do it but they I think they has barriers to doing I feel like they is almost like a compromise um that's like it could be it could be seen as like a compromise because it's like look we already have this word Sure, it's imperfect, but use it anyway. Um, and like, I, I want to, I, I always will refer to people that prefer the pronoun they as they, for sure. Um, I just feel like it's if I, I want these people, I want non-binary people to gain power, and I want them 
to have rights and I want them to be known, I guess. Like I want them. Yeah, for sure. To have a more of a voice. And I feel like slotting them into an imperfect vocabulary can hamper them for future. And it could be just like a transition, transitioning step. Like it could just be that we're using they now and then we'll transition to another better pronoun later or well I like they because I like they because you cannot argue that it hasn't been there you know what I mean and it has been singular it has been singular you know for centuries it's not like new and I think that that's fine like I love newness but I think when we're talking about conservatives and people who need to be moved in this direction um that's going to strike them as even more like because at least they've used they before they know how to use the word they. I mean, they'll be a little confused because, like, if, for instance, you're saying, they refuse. Um, like, they is coming, you wouldn't say that. You're going to say they are coming. But properly, you would say they is coming because they is coming. Yeah. Okay. If we start to say they is coming, that's good. Yeah. But that's the whole thing is that, like, not ev- like not everyone's going to do that. And I think it does become difficult for people grammatically. But that is where I think it should be going. It's really not that hard. And that's why I wouldn't, like, I go by she, her, or they, them, because I know no one will call me that. I know it. I know when I walk away, you're going to call me fucking she, and it's annoying as shit. And it's just like, why do you just see me as a she? Why is there no way around it? Like, why, why do you just see me as my genitals? Like, that's the thing that's so weird. And it's like, we're always making guesses about people's genitals, like, just Mm -hmm. have to say a sentence, like. Yeah, it's yeah, it's fucking no, totally. weird, dude. It's weird. It you is walk weird. in a room and you're like, that person probably has a dick. I'm gonna call him he. Like, what? <laughs> you probably got a dick. Yeah. No, I love that the word "you" is not gendered, for instance. But if if you think that we can start transitioning to a new grammar at the very least, like, and say they is rather than they are, but yeah, that's fine. I think that that's like that's much better because it it gets it it finally creates a distinction for non-binary people that they deserve. Like they, they as a group are non-binary. They as singular is non-binary. Like it's like, yeah, exactly. No, you're right. You're right. And I think that's true. I think it's also, um, non-binary people are like a very small percentage of the, um, trans community. I was looking at this too, that more female born or like, assigned female at birth people are in the trans community than assigned male at birth. And I think that like you were saying earlier, it could have to do with like fluidity of the group. Um, And I think maybe assigned female at birth people are a little bit more likely to be non-binary than binary. Um, But yeah, I always think about that too. And like how much, even if you don't identify as a woman, how much just being assigned female at birth has like, in a lot of ways handicapped me like I feel like there are ways like with self-esteem for instance that like I don't know I think about like I was fucking good at math you know and I wish someone had been like yo you should be like a physicist or an astronaut you know what I mean but I feel like people were like oh you could be a math teacher but I feel like if I had been yeah like you know but I feel like if I had been like the only thing literally just male like, would it, ha- like, would things have been different? Like, would the same intelligence have been manifested differently because external structures would have supported it, you know? Like, I feel, yeah. and I do feel, like, so angry sometimes. And it's not really about, like, 
yeah, the vagina, like, fuck it in a lot of ways, like, fuck it that it bleeds a lot, <laughs> like, fuck that, um, but also fuck it mostly that just because people think they can put a penis inside me, they think they can treat me in, like, all these fucking ways, um, and it's just because I happen to have this cavity in my body, you know? That's how I see it. Like, yeah. I don't think fundamentally we're meant to, that we are mentally, like, in our essence, so different that, like, I couldn't become anything. But I think at this point, I've been shaped, you know, to a, to a large extent. I don't know. What do you feel like about that? Because I know you, you do have some ideas about, like, there are just ways, like, men are just stronger or whatever. But, like, what do you think mentally, like? are there fundamental differences or is it more conditioning or just? Well, yeah, I think so much of it is, is hormonal. I mean, like when we're children, we're not fully developed and in, in a lot of ways, male, like children assigned male and versus children assigned female are very similar. And that even after um, puberty happens for, for like male and female bodies, I guess like cis male and female bodies like if we're not talking about people who have intersex or like people who are intersex or like I guess I don't want to say the words male and female bodies because it's like not really specific enough but um if we're talking about like people that have gone through puberty even then those differences are pretty superficial but they're they're not superficial enough to be meaningless yet um, and I think that, like, technology can fix this for sure. Or, like, just also, more importantly, society understanding that these differences should be made more superficial to give people, to, like, give basically more than half the population rights, like, political rights and emotional rights, yeah. basically, like, social rights, Um but yeah, no, I do. I think that, yeah, like different chemicals create different results in any organism. Sure. But I also don't think that these things need to be eternal. They're not, they don't really necessarily have a connection to whatever nature is. Nature is just, I think, in a lot of ways, the ways that we think of it in terms of sex are created. Um, I mean, the evolution of sex uh, in organisms was just a like one development of many um and it manifests in humans in still a lot of different ways and in other animals in a lot of different ways too so clearly nature is much broader than we think of it and it's like very narrow like there's a male and a female um i mean biologists could talk about this a lot a lot better than i could but yeah i think it's like um yeah of course i mean we both agree that like gender is different from sex but also that even sex is broader than what than what's given by by mainstream society so actually something that 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 was that's interesting to me when you're talking about fluidity is um that you were saying that women or like people assigned female at birth are in, in the non-binary community, okay, the non-binary binary community is more likely to have been assigned female at birth, right? Right. So why I think that has to do with fluidity, fluidity, excuse me, is also that 
I think people who are assigned male at birth exhibit sometimes non-binary qualities or qualities that don't actually align with their gender. They're, they're assigned sex and gender, um, but they don't realize it. Like they don't, they don't see it as being uh, part of like, or outside of their binary. But I think this is the key point here of why they don't see it as being outside of the binary is because they, people who are assigned male at birth are not used to being observed. They're not used to being perceived as a gender. They're used to, exactly. to con- having control and agency over their image and having, they're literally used to being seen beyond their gender because male is not as much of a gender. It doesn't limit. Yeah. It's the default. And then also, I think, um, yeah, I saw this thing that's like, men look, men look, women are seen. Yeah, men look, men are active, women are passive. And so it's like the, the, the very rights that people who are assigned male at birth seem uncomfortable with giving to non-binary people mm-hmm. are the very rights that they themselves enjoy in their maleness. Right. No, yeah, no, yeah. This is Which great. is freedom is from gender. I think we should do some more about, like, I think we should read females because I, I think, like, yeah, that's going to help a lot with talking about this, but also just, I want to understand more, like, masculinity. What it actually is. And do people feel like when they identify with it, like, as in cis men, like, do they not feel limited by it? Because I feel like many men I know who are cis men, but like, no, they're like, I know there's female and male inside of me. Like there's masculine and feminine inside everyone. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm kind of curious about that because I feel like a lot of the men I know are more open and sensitive. That's just because I'm in a liberal, you know, bubble, I guess. Okay, well, this has been um, on liking women, Andrea Longchu's essay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Let's uh, all become women and defeat men or something like that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Gender Playbook. This has been an Eskins theme production. Intro music by Savannah Theme. Please tune in again next week if you'd like to play some more gender games with us. So more than one in four, about 27%, trans young people have attempted to commit suicide, and nine in ten, 89%, have thought about it. 72% have self-harmed at least once. More than a third of trans youth have experienced physical assault, three in five, 60% have experienced threats and intimidation and more than four in five, 83% trans young people have experienced name calling or verbal abuse. Two in five trans people have been attacked or threatened with violence in the last five years. Nice body.